0: Yeah, I think it'd just be a cool look for us if we were just like... Is this on? Yeah, I threw it on like a couple minutes ago. Oh. Welcome to topins Talk. Episode 3, and we couldn't be more than happy to be here. I'm your host, Tim Kamraj, with my co-host... I'm here, Marcin Kazmarski, as always. And we are super excited because Syria has been doing nothing but popping off headlines left and right. And we have... All the information that you're gonna to want to go over, maybe for new listeners, to sound like you know something about Syria at work or going, anything along those. They're gonna, for sure, they're gonna sound like they're <laughs> professionals after they're done with this podcast. Love it, love it. So first talking points, Napoli, and Napoli's is the first talking point because, of course, on our first podcast, we looked at them and we went, whoa. Title contenders. These guys look awesome. They kept key players. They recruited some key players. It's all looking good for them. Not so much anymore. And that's not how it's looking. The start of this season has been a little rocky for them. So uh, why don't we talk about the game versus Genoa? And I think Marcin had a couple of things to say about that one.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, you had a pretty surprising kind of result. Um, Napoli had their huge controversy, if you didn't hear, over the course of the week where the... uh, the president of the club wanted to send them on a retreat for a week away from their friends and family to kind of buckle down and focus, which I get. Like, the team hasn't been performing well, and, like, you, you kind of want to set a fire under them to kind of get them to perform a little bit better. Uh, but at the same time, I kind of get it from the player's perspective. You, you want to spend time with your friends and family after a game. You don't want to go to, and sit in a hotel <laughs> with your teammates. No offense to your teammates. I'm sure you like them a lot, but you want to spend your off time with your family and with your friends and do whatever you want to do. It, was, it, was, it seemed like more it was like a
0: punishment than a retreat to help the team. That's that's the way it kind of seemed to me. Yeah, it seemed like so old school. Like it was, you know, like and that's that's a couple of media uh, presences were talking about how, you know, old tactics don't work anymore on new players, Very right? True. You know, it used to be a retreat because you were retreated from everything. It was pre-cell phone, pre, you know, uh, social media, etc. You know, now even if you retreat to a hotel, that hotel has Wi-Fi. You're not escaping from anything. Yeah, you're you just have, gonna keep. You have your using. phone. <laughs> you have your laptop. You're gonna you're gonna read and hear everything no matter it's, what. Yeah, so it's it's kind of pointless, and all it seemed to do was cause even more unrest on this team than there was before, which is pretty rough because, you know, it's it's not as if they're having awful results. They really just lack a little bit of consistency, and that's something that you bring somebody like Carlo Ancelotti in to fix. Uh, but unfortunately, it hasn't panned out for them so far. And uh, I always compare it to actually uh, the Liverpool project that Jurgen Klopp took on there, where he had some pretty solid players that he got when he came in. Right. Uh, but at the same time, inconsistencies were really evident. Um, and I just feel like the fan base slash president really uh, isn't considering how long it takes to get a football club really competing at a championship level. Very true and consistently producing results because it's the little things that you have to fix, like allowing two goals against Red Bull uh, Salzburg, Red, Red Bull Salzburg, Salzburg in, the, uh, in the Champions League, and uh, you know allowing these ties to just continually uh, permit and keep going, whereas they can turn these into wins with some good resources. Here's the bottom line. Ancelotti is an amazing coach. He, yeah, he's been confirmed. there, done that. He's won
1: Champions Leagues, he's won Serie A titles, he's won everything you could potentially want to win as a coach now i think he knows what he's doing and i think he knows how to kind of set a new fire and kind of change some tactics around within the roster and kind of get this napoli team kind of performing how we kind of expected at the beginning at the beginning of the season where we kind of were like looking at them as a title contender to be competing with inter and juve for that crown because right now i believe they're they're in seventh place right now and after what four draws and and a loss that their current standing so like you mentioned the results haven't been there recently uh, but I think they definitely have the quality of, of, a, of a great manager like him mm-hmm. and the combination of the, I mean, they have quality players, which, I mean, you have Calahone, you have Mertens, you have Insigne, you have you have Alan, you have, like, Maret in goal. Like, you have a lot of good quality players. Koulibaly, i, I got to forget him. <laughs> yeah. And you have a, so many quality players in that team, so you kind of expect them, like, hey, like, they're going to figure out these little nuances that they're not doing correctly or these little details that they're kind
0: of, performing these little mistakes in game and they're going to write those that write that ship a little bit yeah but so in but that kind of contradicts now because what's going to end up happening is you know you try taking this old school approach with these new school players and the biggest difference is that like it or not with agents getting involved uh, the power is more so in the hands of the players than it is of the club at this point. I don't like working and playing for you. I'm going to go to another club. They'll pay the they'll pay the fee for me, and I'll go and we'll get everything going at this new club. And I think that's something. That uh, you know, some people have been pointing out is that several key players are now linked to moves away from the club, mm-hmm. as opposed to staying and wanting to commit and work hard for where they're at right now.
1: Yeah, and it's funny you mention that because all the players that are linked were the players that were seen as like the headliners of this mutiny. So right. there were essentially four, I believe, four key names that were kind of mentioned with this whole like this whole mutiny behind not going to the retreat. Uh, those were Alan. Uh, Insigne, uh, Mertens, and Calajon. Those are your big four names that kind of were linked with this uh, kind of keeping this uh, mutiny going and not wanting to go with this retreat, uh, which, I mean, we've already heard that there's some links to, with these players moving on to different clubs as early as January. Um, one of them is obviously Dries Mertens and him being linked to go Inter Milan of all places. Uh, which would be, I, I think, would be a huge move. I mean, for Inter to kind of, kind of push themselves more into competing for that Scudetto, having somebody like Mertens in that roster um,
0: would be absolutely crucial. And I mean, it would also hurt Napoli at the same time. Yeah, I think it would be more productive for Inter in the way that it would hurt Napoli less in the fact that he would produce amazing things for Inter. Because when you look at Inter, Inter have Lukaku up top right now, as well as Lautaro Martinez, mm-hmm. with Mario Cardi on loan, and you look at all these upfront options. Alexis Sanchez also on loan there. Uh, he's been hurt pretty frequently recently, so he hasn't been able to produce. But at the same time, you know Napoli losing, you know to your point, to a contender losing one of their key players. I mean, the guy's six goals away, or maybe even less at this point, to uh, being their all-time leading goal scorer. Yep. <laughs> like like the, guy, imagine, the guy produces, you know, and he makes it. And you know that, you know, at the same in the same light. Uh, might still help enter because while he may not be in your starting 11, he's going to be pushing into his mid-30s soon. While he may not be in your starting 11, having a guy that could bag goals like that and knows the league might help some of the uh, points that Conte was making where he was saying, look, I don't have a lot of squad depth. Well, here's your squad depth if you could pick him up on a free that's giving you a little more depth up top than you even if it wouldn't be free it'd still be minimal money because merton's contract
1: ends in the summer so he's what six months away and he's in his like you said he's in his 30s already so he's not going to be requiring like that 30 40 million dollar fee for his transfer it's going to be less than 10 mil easy so to get somebody like that of that kind of quality like you mentioned a guy that's Almost Napoli's all-time leading goal scorer for less than 10 million. Even if it's just a for a six-month rental, worst-case scenario, like the the experience he brings and what he knows about the league and how he's going to be able to give that kind of knowledge onto those players like Bottarella, like Sensi, like who haven't been in the league for as many years as these other more experienced players have, is is second to none. It's going to be
0: crucial for that team. It's huge. And then you know, but going back to how this could hurt Napoli, Jose Callejon hasn't really been. Uh, linked to anybody on the Italian side however he's been linked with a move away to China and when you think about players that make moves sometimes they're trying to consider international futures uh, possible salaries uh, what it means for their family but when you look at Jose Callejon, uh, he's 32 years old and he's not really figuring a lot in the Spanish setup and the national side uh, so you look at him and you say, well, you know, if a big offer comes in from China and they look to pay him a lot of money, you know, he's he's not got a lot that's going to be keeping him to the club. Uh, and I think it's a really big difference where Jose Calajon wasn't. And uh, he wasn't brought in essentially to be uh, a Neapolitan. Like he doesn't, he doesn't obsess with the culture. Like Drez Mertens obsesses with the culture. You can tell that it hurts him to have to consider a future away. Right. Whereas with Jose Callejon, I can see him leaving just on an unrest point of saying, "Look, I'm, you know, I'm almost finished with my playing career. If you're going to be trying to pull these moves on me as one of your players, I'll just leave. I don't mind." Like he, he also wants to kind of pull that respect card. Like I've played here how many years? Like I've
1: sacrificed for this club and to get treated by that like a president six six all-time appearance wise like he he's been there for a really long time and to have your president be like hey yeah we're gonna ship you out or do whatever you want to do um i I completely get like the player side of the whole perspective so uh i mean we have a couple other names i mean you had the big controversy with alan obviously we haven't read read any links with alan being moved but you're definitely going to see those links coming after um him basically cursing out the president's son in the locker room after he came in um talking about the retreat so that's that's a lot of unrest that's happening in that locker room and that dressing room, and it's it's obviously it's baggage you don't want there. Like the the president is going to want somebody that's going to be kind of leading these mutinies in that dressing room, and he's going to want to ship them out. As as quality as Alain is, he
0: can find a, a home in almost every major European team, so he's not going to be short for suitors. Yeah, not at all. And then you look at uh, you know you look at certain other players that uh, that are being linked, and it's not just their older players, uh, you know. Ruiz is also being listed and uh, linked to Real Madrid. Yep. Uh, So the problem with him being linked is if you look at it from an attacking perspective, you have these guys that are getting into their early to mid-30s. And in the modern game, you know, unfortunately, in the modern game as an attacker, unless you change your game, that's, you know, you're, you're kind of reaching your expiration date in the team. Whereas you have somebody who's young like this, that's the future of your club, might be looking for greener pastures because of how you treat your players right right so that's where I think there's a disconnect culture wise because if you know Fabian Ruiz if he goes to uh you know if he goes to Real Madrid he could walk right into that midfield in my opinion the kid's a baller yeah and uh you know it just goes to show that I think they might have shot themselves in the foot on this one
1: yeah I think the president um I think like you mentioned he has some of those old school kind of ways. And players today aren't gonna aren't really as receptive to that kind of style of, of management. And to your point, the the managers and the players they're gonna they're the ones that are gonna control their own destinies. So if they don't want if they don't want to play for you because they feel like you've wronged them in some kind of way,
0: next transfer window they're not gonna be there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know it's actually funny we we're reading a couple articles that link Zlatan, so just imagine we're having this whole conversation about expired shelf lives and people moving around because they don't feel welcome, and they move all this salary space, and they bring in a 38-year-old Zlatan. That'd be pretty and funny. would, But that would be the most traditional move where it's like, you know, forget all these other players. I'm going to bring in this proven professional, and he's going to bag his goals, and then if he doesn't perform, the fans will just riot. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but speaking of performing, uh, Calgary uh continues to uh to do me a favor and prove my prediction right and everybody keeps talking about how great a season they're having uh winning 5-2 against Fiorentina is no small feat uh Fiorentina wrecked Roma not too long ago uh by a similar scoreline uh so seeing uh Calgary do it uh just really cements the fact that they're forced to be reckoned with this season they're looking good and your homeboy was at the center of almost every single one of those goals uh it's the raja
1: show it was the raja nangolan show Ra- nangolan no. with a goal and credit with three assists in that game so basically four goal contributions out of the five through him he he put on a clinic that game
0: raja is one of my all-time favorite Serie A players and i we're only 3 episodes in so the people who are just listening to this don't really know how much I value a guy that knows how to have a good time off the field like a good teammate. And he just he's just the ultimate lad because, you know, he in one sense he's like I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to party, I'm going to drink, smoke, have a good time. Uh and then, you know, in the same light he's this like really great family man that cares for his wife. His wife is really sick now for those that don't know. And I, uh, you know, he asked for the move to Calgary to kind of make everybody more comfortable in his family. And uh, and then in the meantime, he just scores bangers. I was just like, what's not to like about this guy? Like, I understand he's like he's had an ego in the past, but, like, you have to be an ego if you're a good player. Like, it's just the way it is. And But, yeah, he put on an absolute clinic today, another worldie. Uh, this time, not off the volley, but just shows that...
1: That's you know, a strike.
0: Yeah, he's one of those guys that when he gets ready to shoot the ball, you don't really say anything to him because, you know, it's got a it's got a three out of five chance of being a banger.
1: <laughs> I mean, not not to say anything about Raja, because he's had a great year so far, but, I mean, you've had some really good production from a lot of players that coming I mean, kind of kind of all around the pitch. For example, uh, Simeona coming in with four goals and 11 appearances, a solid production from a guy that was kind of just brought in to kind of help out in the offensive lineup. Um, obviously, the big story is Jao Pedro leading the team with six goals and 12 appearances. I mean, a 27-year-old guy who hasn't really been known for... Really scoring goals throughout his entire career, and he comes in this year and he's got every other game he's bagging a goal. And so I mean, you're getting really good production um, from a lot of players, kind of all around the pitch. You have uh, to your point, Rog is kind of killing. Oh my goodness,
0: yeah! I think Marco Rog is like one of the most underrated midfielders in Serie A because he just puts himself all over the pitch and he just gets he just puts the shift in. Like there's you need that guy that he's not going to be in the headlines because he scores you know nine goal end goals or anything like that. But he's gonna be that guy that's going to give you that, you know, seven out of ten performance most days, and just gets the ball moving around the field. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then you had um one of your guys from your, your Roma squad last year, Olsen, kind of rediscovering some decent form this year, and, uh, and kind yeah. of and kind of being
0: a decent goalkeeper in the, in the league. I don't know. I think it's you know, a lot of players last season caught a really bad reputation at Roma because of the inconsistencies of the squad, but there were some things that weren't being considered. For example, the quantity of players that got brought in last season threw a lot of people off as well Very as sure. there wasn't really a defined central path. And you know, I'm not sure where we can boil this down to, but you got a lot of guys that seem to be finding uh, exactly where they should be uh, and exactly what form they should be finding. In this team. And I know it sounds like an empty statement, uh, but it's just something unique you can't describe. It seems like a coming together of players. They play like a team and not individuals. And that's why they are where they are. Yeah. And definitely one guy that
1: I've uh, kept my eye kind of focused on with Calgary's success this year is definitely their their left back Luca Pellegrini formerly of Roma formerly of Roma but currently owned by Juventus and, and sent out on loan so him kind of playing for a side that's pushing up the table and kind of getting that experience of playing that 11 for a second consecutive year and kind of pushing his development uh, development on a little bit further which is great just because when Juve kind of get him I feel like he's going to be that next left back after Alexandro's finished with his time at Juventus I think he's going to definitely be
0: pushing for that starting 11 spot in that position which is huge because you know you look at what ended up happening to the current squad mm-hmm. when uh left for Manchester City mm-hmm. when he left I uh, you know they sure they got Danilo back and or I'm sorry they got Danilo in general for the uh for the transfer, but you know, they didn't really have somebody that was comfortable with the league and knew exactly what they were doing uh when it came to the position. Not that Daniel is not a good player, but you know, when you have somebody like that, young Italian born, you know, Syria prospect coming through, that's something to be excited about.
1: For sure. So that's definitely one that I will be keeping my eye on. Uh, as the season progresses, and, and curious what you will do with him um, after the is over, if they'll bring him back and start to slowly integrate him into the squad, or maybe if potentially Calgary makes Champions League next year, pull, pulls an Atalanta, did, does he stay at Calgary for another season, get, get some UCL experience,
0: which would be so, crazy. So here's, here's what I'm saying right now, and <laughs> I'm going to contradict my prediction of Calgary having an amazing season. So Calgary's doing excellent right now. But the problem is that it's dependent on a couple of things. It's dependent on nine goal and having, you know, a eight or nine out of 10 game, as well as the, you know, Ja Pedro, like guys like that just kind of like finding, you know, finding space and finding goals. And the problem is that when you have a club like that, their starting 11 looks great, but they have no squad depth. So if those guys go cold or some, you know, combination of them go cold, if, if Rodgers starts hitting off form. Luca, you know, knock on wood, I hope he doesn't catch another injury, but he is injury prone. You get key pieces like that falling in and out of form and injuries. I could see this team, you know, still having a great season, finishing within the top seven. I just don't think Champions League is realistic for uh for them throughout the whole season to to accomplish that feat at the end that's
1: true but you it, know? it all boils down to them being consistent throughout the rest of the campaign and kind of taking it one match at a time i know it's i know it's a really cliche thing but one yeah. game at a time you get three points you move on to the next one you focus on that one keep keep banging away those three points and then you're gonna end up in in championship contention at the end of the year hmm. and that kind of pushes <laughs> us into few, obviously calorie's opponent from the last game Fiorentina. Yeah. So a lot more, I think, was expected out of the squad, um, coming into this season, especially with some of the moves that they made uh, during during the summer. Obviously, the big thing was Frank Ribery. That's the biggest name they obviously brought in. Uh, but another big storyline throughout the summer was Federico Chiesa even staying at the club. I mean, he a lot of people murmured that he had a had a had a, had a kind of like a gentleman's agreement that he was going to leave at the, during the summer, and Juventus were obviously one of the big teams that wanted mm-hmm. him, and that never materialized. So he obviously ended up staying, but like what's going to happen with this team moving forward is a big question mark because did they kind of plan with the summer correctly did they bring in the correct players like what is their game plan kind of moving forward to kind of push this
0: team up the standings a little bit yeah I mean that's and that's a hard question to answer because you almost feel like in certain senses uh, they went for a lot of shock value in their transfers you know they went for big brand names you you're seeing a lot of Italian clubs that are using the marketing method. And that's something we're going to touch on a little later, but you know, they they're using this marketing method. They're high. They're, you know, basically pulling in these big name players so that they can get the capital to, uh, you know, between jerseys, what have you to increase their, their club's productivity. Um, but I think the way that Fiorentina finds their way into that upper echelon of Italian football again is that they need to take these funds that they're going to get from ticket sales, jersey sales, from bringing these big names in and reinvesting it into the club structure, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be it through their youth academy, what have you, because that's how you end up uh, prolonging yourself as a club that doesn't exactly have the most TV or commercial revenue in general because they're not going to find uh, these funds anywhere else. Unfortunately, they're not looking like they're qualifying for the Champions League anytime soon. Europa League money, even though it's some money I, you know, I mean, they're
1: still six points off the pace for Europa League right now, and they're not really looking like a side that's really gonna push that Europa League right now.
0: You know, what I mean, if you're looking at that, if you're looking at that, I'm I'm figuring, and of course, I'm biased, but you know, I'm figuring Roma would be more than likely to lock down one of those top top six places, as well as Atlanta or Atlanta rather. Um, I think Fiorentina has ways to go as a club, but I think where they go from here is they have to make sure that they don't get ahead of themselves. Because they are a team that's going to hit this mid-season run of form where they're going to you know, dash up the table a couple of slots and they're going to get excited about it. And the only reason I'm calling it is because they've done it several times before when they had like Alberto Gillardino on the side, like mm-hmm. things like that. They get so excited. They go to spend the funds. They're like, let's bring in another big name. And then the bubble bursts and they're all frustrated. <laughs> and, then, and then it's a ninth place finish again for Fiorentina. Exactly. So structure mm-hmm. is
1: the way that they have to go going forward. Speaking of structure, onto our next fun topic. And it's one topic that you obviously kind of were, were pretty high and mighty on when we first started the podcast. I'm and still high and mighty on it. All right, we'll, we'll see. But it, it's Inter Milan. Yeah. So Inter Milan, or currently, uh, after today's results, after round 12 was finished, still sits second, one point behind Juventus. One point. One point. It's fine. Um, but the big thing that I've kind of noticed with Inter is they have grinded out wins left and right. Kind of what Juve have been doing for pretty much the last few weeks as well, but Inter, before they weren't doing this, they were kind of letting those draws finish as draws. They were kind of losing games and not taking full advantage. And over the last few weeks, in terms of the results that they've kind of gotten, um, besides, obviously, the Dortmund game, that was kind of right. a little... <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a little controversial, but yeah, that's Champions League. That's different. That's, that's different from domestic. That's different. Um, they've been kind of grinding out wins with Antonio Conte, and that's something that you didn't see uh,
0: coming from the club last few seasons, to be super honest. Look, I mean and we kind of touched on this we always have you know this isn't just where we talk about the game like where it's literally every day and every second of our lives like we just exchanging like articles things of that that nature um we were talking about and martin had had phrase saying you know every year you see them make a really nice run and then they kind of like fall short of the mark like every year that's what you see
1: last few years to, to to my point what kind of like just to touch on that is I've said that Inter kind of kind of jump out of the gate really hot and then until like December and then January and they're like first, second, third in the league and then all of a sudden they just have this tremendous drop in form and mm. they kind of tumble down the table a little bit. So that's kind of been my whole point with why I'm still not super... Like, yes, Conte is a great coach and he's done a lot of better work than I think than Spalletti did at the time at the club. Uh, but I'm still not 100% sold on Inter being a huge...
0: But that's a like a huge issue for the rest of the, the season. That's the point. Is it's like, you know, that's, that's what makes a difference. That's why you bring these guys in. Like, it might not be working out right now with Ancelotti at Napoli, but that things like this are why you bring in the coaches that you bring in are because they're going to get more out of the players. They're going to get you the extra goal. They'll get you one less goal conceded. You know, Conte caught a lot of flack by saying, you know, what do you expect me to achieve in the Champions League? I have these guys that played for Calgary and, and, you know, so Swolo, you know, in and, places. Yeah. and yeah. And everybody's like, Whoa, look at like, what a jerk. He's taking shots at his players, but a manager like that, he's doing that. He's making his players a lot tougher mentally. I guarantee you that's not the first time that he said that to those players. I guarantee you, if you ask Nicolo Barella, you know, if you ask him, you say, Hey, you know, <laughs> has he ever said something like that in training? Yeah, he probably has because he's that kind of manager that's going to be pushing and pushing and pushing you because it's going to get more out of you. I mean, he turned Giaccarini into a stud on the national team, you know, by sheer willpower, you know, and it's a manager like that that gets the most out of you. And I feel like the squad he has right now is young enough and moldable enough that they'll listen to what he has to say. I don't think it's a coincidence that he took guys like Perisic, and Nainggolan and Incardi, who were older, developed professionals that you know had their set way of doing things and had friction points with the club, and Spalletti, and said, I don't have a room for you in this project, because you're not going to do what I want you to do. You may hit some bangers, you may play well for PSG on loan, but you're not going to do what I want you to do when I need you to do it, and that's going to cost us points, and that's why I don't want you at my club. It's very true. Yeah. You know? I, mean, I mean, Inter have a pretty...
1: Kind of like a 50-50 schedule moving forward. So I think these next few games, I think in, through into mid mid January is, is when I think I'll make my final judgment if this club is. Oh, is, you don't have
0: to worry about that. I made the. Oh, I know. I know, made, I know. Yeah, no, I already made the judgment. They're gonna win. You so made
1: you made the judgment, but I am but to me, in I'm this. still not convinced by this team just because I want to see them finish this out in, in terms of doing what they're doing for an entire season. Mm. And in terms of what they have coming up next, I mean, they have Slavia Praha in the Champions League. They have Barcelona in day 6, which is going to be a huge game. Mm. And then you have a couple interesting matches in Serie A that I'm really going to focus on. And it's obviously the games against Roma, a game, the game against uh, Inter Milan, uh, Napoli, and then the game against Atalanta at the beginning of January. After that point, then you can ask me,
0: if I still think that this side like, can I don't have compete to ask you. I think they're I think they're solid. I think they're a good look. Um, the only point that I will make when it comes to their Champions League play is if they make it through to the group's or uh, rather out of the group stages, if they make it into the round of sixteen, I do think that's gonna negatively impact them season wise. Yes. But it's a catch 22 because they need that capital because they want to be signing players and being more competitive currently very true so, uh, but I
1: mean here, here's the thing even if they finish third right, you're still playing Europa League so it's not like you have even if you don't make true. it out of the yeah if, even and if, they're if you're, definitely finishing above you know Prague <laughs> yeah, the, Prague. The, yeah, yeah I think not, Inter Milan yeah. bar, like without any catch like they're finishing above Slavia Prague in the yeah so the minimum they're playing they're playing Europa League in, mm. in the second half of the season which yeah. to your point is either regardless whether they're playing Champions League and I think that might actually be the worst thing because think about it. If they're playing in Europa League, they're, they're better than most of the teams that are going to be playing the Europa League. So you're going to go on further. So that's more games you're going to play. But
0: if it, if, you know, and I don't know Antonio Conte personally, but neither do I. Neither do I. I'd love to have a conversation with the guy. He's a madman and he, he seems is. like a really interesting person. But um, I can 100% see him saying, oh, we didn't get through to the Champions League round of 16. I'm going to win the Europa be, League. No, I'm. <laughs> I'd see it the you other think, way. Really? I'd see him saying, "I'm prioritizing getting a scudetto, and I'm gonna trash the Europa League. I'm just gonna play my, you know, my backup players, guys that you know I need to get minutes rested. I'll do that. So we'll, I, we'll see in six weeks. We'll see, which is a long time away, yeah. but a lot, a lot more episodes <laughs> <a> top <laughs> a of lot Top End episodes
1: coming. <laughs> between that, and that, cool. So obviously, Inter Milan kind of uh, kind of leads us to another team that's kind of was supposed to be in that top four at the end of this weekend, but kind of fell short, and that's Roma um we, we watched the game today dropping yeah. all three points against Parma. Oh, my goodness two nil um and Ooh. i mean i'm gonna obviously have you take the lead on
0: this because you're the, I, you're should the worst. i'm though. like i'm queasy like getting ready to talk about it, it's the worst i know it's like because we watched it happen live. i know i watched and we watched and we saw them bossing the game for the first half and i was like wow like you know Franseca has them playing you know firing on cylinders and then you had call hit at the post and i was like "Ooh, oh yeah was, that i was said close. you know maybe his birthday present to himself would just be an absolute banger of a free kick into the top corner almost um, but it's it was one of those cases where as soon as they took pastore off i felt like they lost the middle a little bit zanyolo looks so tired by the by the half hour mark of the game i mean they started bright and they looked good A lot of people that I'm seeing on Twitter and certain, you know, fandoms of Roma are really being really rough on Justin Clivert. And I just don't see it as justifiable because if our midfield was defined as stagnant today and we didn't have any ideas, he was a guy that was putting himself all over the place. And I think sooner rather than later, we're going to end up seeing him... As somebody who sticks around the club for a little longer, when he signed, we were, uh, a lot of fans were joking around and saying like, "Oh man, like we're gonna lose him to Barcelona in like two seasons." The kid's a stud. Had a hard first season, had to learn the ropes. He took a couple knocks, but I think he's coming in and realizing that he's gonna have to put everything into every game, and I back him to do that. Uh, but as far as the reason for the drop points, I don't think you have to look a lot further than if you do a quick search and look at these players that were playing in the midfield going forward between uh, Mancini, Vertao, uh, Pastore, Zagnolo, uh, as well as uh, Zecco up top and Clivert as well. These players, like that core of players have been playing most minutes throughout the past couple months and I know that sounds really silly. So tired legs. It's a hundred percent tired legs because if you're looking at the team, you have young players that aren't used to execute. You don't have anybody in that like prime level of their play where they're used to putting in minutes uh, you know, all over the okay. place. Jordan Verita, I think would be an exception to that. I think he put himself all over the place as well. I think Mancini did pretty well. I think he's
1: really coming into his own in that CDM role. I think he's I think he's going to be a really good player in that role.
0: I think well, so here's the thing is as soon as, you know, Diawara or, you know, even Lorenzo Pellegrini get back into, you know, get back into the squad, I think he's going to drop back to a center back spot because yeah, sure. when you look at Fronseca's tactics, he really likes having his midfield involved. I You know Whether it's playing off of the wide, realistically, he's really big on the wide players cutting in, which is favored Clybert a lot, which is why I think we've seen an uptake in his form. But you look at the combination of Mancini and Veritao, Veritao is not really interested in getting shots on frame. He's not really that guy that wants to bomb forward. No. And neither is Mancini because he's been naturally a center back his entire career. Exactly. So now you have these guys that are, you know, instead of a six and an eight, you have two sixes and they're just sitting there. And if anybody who's kind of like casually interested in soccer is trying to figure out what I mean by that, I mean, you usually have one holding midfielder and one box-to-box midfielder. And instead, now you have two holding midfielders and it causes this really big disconnect in their in their buildup. Because now you have these guys that are all trying to go forward. You don't have that middleman trying to connect everyone. So I think that's a reason that you'll see tired when everybody has fresh legs the forwards are dropping in grabbing the ball trying to move forward mm-hmm. but when everybody's tired that's when you have that huge gap and they looked very sloppy and, and for most of the season
1: you've seen Roma kind of play pretty decently considering yeah. they've been in the close to the top four almost all year until obviously they could have left back into third place with a win today so yep. they, they've been in that contention for one of those those uh UCL spots but here's my question to you for the end of the season does Roma at the end of the year finish in the top four yes Yes, 100%. That was a very confident answer. I was I'm
0: very confident. I may like freak out about this team every week, but uh there is a certain energy that's in this squad that wasn't in there last year. I don't know how else to phrase it, but um you know, we're we're at that point where we're meeting project versus results. <laughs> Last season, it kind of seemed like with this whole like Mongo Madness thing that was going on. It was, oh, no, this is a project. Everybody needs time to settle in. We need time to settle in. And it's like, whoa, hello. It's you know January, and we're not looking good. Yeah. And we still managed to pull out a decent result as far as the season goes due to our playing. But with when everybody comes back fit and we get healthy again, it's going to be like a night and day squad. There's, I'm very confident in that team. All right, so you've, you've had some pretty ballsy predictions in terms of your top four. You have Inter winning it. Inter winning it, Roma in the top four. Yep. So I'm, I'm curious how these predictions kind of finish out at the end of the year. Well, we'll see. I mean, Napoli's definitely doing me favors with how they're playing. So That's I'm not particular. They are helping your predictions. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not too concerned with them. But, uh, you know, I could realistically see it finishing with Inter at first, Juve at second. Uh, Roma at third and then somebody sneaking into that fourth spot okay yeah right. it's bold but I mean we do have a lunch bet on this so I mean I am gonna get some free food at the end yeah, of the season or maybe I will you never uh, well actually I do know personally I don't I'm really good. think it's, so. it's, it's it's happening so. alright let's talk about the league leaders okay okay <laughs> For now, by
1: one the, point. The league. But go ahead. The, no, it's cool. The it's league, cool. The no, league, it's alright. The league leaders. Yeah, the league leaders.
0: The the a time running league. Leaders. Don't worry. Come come the next uh, next couple casts. I will definitely be. Uh, asking you about the league leaders, okay. and it might not be the same, but carry on. So, Juventus. A, Let's call them by their formal title, Juventus. Yeah, not Piemonte Calcio. Yeah. This, not,
1: this, <laughs> this isn't FIFA. This isn't FIFA 20. No. This is not FIFA 20. So, oh not Piemonte God. Calcio. So,
0: Juve, yeah. obviously. Such today. a lovely logo they use on FIFA. For I know. shift. I know. Makeshift. I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, don't ugly. even get me started on FIFA. So please. Please,
1: please don't let me time. start on FIFA. Because <laughs> we're going to do a 45 minute episode on, yeah. on just me <laughs> ranting about FIFA. But anyway. So, Juve, obviously, today, that the big headline game of the weekend, Juve-Milan, yeah. big derby of the weekend. Um, and honestly, I wasn't... I mean, you saw me sitting here next to you. on um, For the first 45 minutes, I wasn't thrilled. I was kind of not happy. Yeah. The game was sluggish. It was slow. You had players kind of not where they were supposed to be. And, and the game overall just wasn't a joy for me to watch. Like, you think with sorry ball and and the, the kind of coach that they brought in to kind of play mm. this like aesthetic more offensive style that you'd have a little bit at least enjoyment watching the game even if it's a scrappy game mm. that was not the case today it was a uh, a real snooze mess for me at least the opening 45 minutes were
0: yeah it's weird because you know you a lot of people came into that game like uh <laughs> you know i'll put it this way you know like uv fans had their phones up waiting for highlights and you know Milan fans had their like rosary beads in their hands, like, like praying, praying for, for results, like, praying, praying for highlights, for proper <laughs> highlights for them. So, uh, but then you look at the stats at the end of this game: equal on shots, thirteen shots, and interestingly enough, uh, Milan had more shots on target. They were working, uh, they were working the net more. Uh, whereas Juve averaged a higher pass accuracy and possession. So I think that actually paints exactly what you were talking about. We were like, were we watching a Max Allegri side? Or were we watching a Sarri ball side? Like, yeah. what were we really looking at? And I, again, reference back to football teams or projects. They reset every couple of years. And Juve, I believe, are a high-functioning team that is currently in an awkward transition where Sarri's only had... You know, due to that ammonia, four months. Yeah, four, due to that, not even three, yeah. four months. Uh, he's trying to implement it, but when push comes to shove, they'll revert back to, you know, playing it safe and playing the ball. But that also kind of factors into the players that they have on the field, right? You know? and, and and the big change I kind of noticed,
1: and even though it's been a, in a very small sample size, and this may be controversial, I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm going to get some slack for this. Oh man, Uh-oh, here don't it comes. You, here, you do it. Don't here. do it. I am going to do it. Oh god. The team has looked better over the last two games once Ronaldo has been taken off the pitch. Incoming hate.
0: Incoming hate. Hate tweets. It is coming, coming to PL. <laughs> if anybody needs it. Uh, I'll, I'll do Twitter later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in, in all
1: honesty, like you had Ronaldo come off uh, very late against Locomotive. And then mm-hmm. Douglas Costa, the super sub kind of popped on the little slalom run, little one-two at Higuain to get the winner. Mm. And then you kind of saw that also today you had Ronaldo come off. You had DiBala come on. Then you had a like a, a couple minutes right after you had Douglas Costa come on, mm-hmm. and then Matuidi came off for Rabiot. But that wasn't really the key change. The key changes for me were Costa and Dybala because you had mm. them paired up with Higuain. And the and the big reason why I think ball not only works a little bit better with those three guys at the top mm. is because all those three guys are are very movement-based players. Right. All they do is kind of try to work the channels, kind of try to take, mm. uh, in, especially in the case of Dybala and, and Costa, they really want to take guys on one-on-one. They're very quick, they're very dynamic mm. players. And Higuain is the perfect kind of center forward to have to play off of because he's gonna run yeah. those channels, he's gonna track back, he's gonna do the hold up play, which right. let's let's be honest, Ronaldo isn't. Right. Because so, Ronaldo at this point in his career is more of like a predatory box kind of striker, like a right. poacher in, in a sense. Mm. So I, I feel like sorryball even though it's been, what, 35 minutes today and, and 15 minutes over the last week. So what, no. you have 45 minutes of maybe sorry ball without Ronaldo on the pitch. Yeah. But it, it, it's looked decent. Like you saw a little bit of, of better combinations between the players. You saw a, little, a lot more movement up top because yeah. you had that creativity from Costa. You had that creativity from Dabala And you had Kiguain mm. doing the whole play and running those channels. And the team was successful. I mean, they had more shots in the first half and more possession than they did in the first in the first half. The, the stats showed it. And yes, I know some people are gonna say, "Oh, like Ronaldo was hurt." Yeah, he, he was. He, maybe he was. Yes, yeah. he was. I mean, that's the. He, but he looked slow and sluggish. So, like, but why... that's how
0: you look when you're hurt. <laughs> so
1: don't so don't play him in the first place. So just give the chance the team the, the better chance to win in that case. If he's already injured. And just start Debala, start cost to start that lineup from the get go. If like why are you taking a risk with a guy that's that's thirty four? Because
0: you know if you take the risk putting him on in the first place, if he's not performing, you can pull him off. Right? So like that's my that's and I'd never thought I'd see the day where I was sticking up for Ronaldo because I'm not his biggest advocate. Um, you know (laughs) and and i never thought i'd have this day where i'm actually like i I
1: wasn't i do not i thought the team looked better with him off the pitch yeah and
0: i'm I'm a huge fan i have like what the signed photo on my wall no i can't i (laughs) i'm not the biggest ronaldo and that's putting it in a nice way is that i'm not a big advocate of his weird day today but coaching wise if somebody is carrying a knock and you're like are you and you ask them are you good to play and they turn around and they go, I'll, They're gonna you know, say I'll give yes. it. Don't say well, they'll you say know, yes. he'll say like, I'll give it a try, whatever, what have you, you know. And you look at that guy and you're like, is this guy going to give me something that maybe somebody else wouldn't? And that's literally what the guy's made his career on is just these crazy highlight reel moments that you know off the ball runs. And that's actually ironically when you were saying like, oh, he, you know. These guys are running into the channels. Well, yeah. So, but, but usually, at this age, though, was was well, my point. Well, look, I mean, he runs the channels as well. When he's fit, the guys running the channels, he's you know, he's putting the work in. He's debatably one of the better off the ball players than on the ball. Ironically, at this age, I mean, you saw it. The dude was taking six, seven, eight, nine, ten touches, and then passing it into like a Milan player's shoe. Like it was, it was crazy to see because you're not used to seeing that with him, but. Right when you're moving around and you're hurt and you're like you're you're kind of wincing when you're doing all these things it it affects you mentally to where your decision making isn't what it usually sh, uh, should be um, so that's the i mean that's the counter argument i'd make but undoubtedly today the balla came in changed the game again 100% came in super super yeah. sao paulo today he i mean he's rediscovered some form on their sari and i think the fact of the matter is speaking of players that are performing on their sorry that weren't catching a good rap initially. Gonzalo Higuain is still to this day for me one of the most underappreciated strikers in Europe. And the reason that I say he's one of the most underappreciated in Europe is because the guy clearly wants to win. And the guy clearly wants to put the work in. And at the same light, because of you know the fact that social media makes a joke out of him. You know he doesn't get taken seriously sometimes in the football right. community.
1: I mean, I mean, the very first week he was there, they were calling him Fat Higuain because he yeah. came into camp overweight. I mean, but I mean, a lot of players do that every single year. Look at Eden they, Hazard; he came in like, I, I, like fifteen to twenty pounds overweight. Yeah. And he didn't get the, he didn't catch that same flack that that Higwayen caught.
0: I mean he caught. He, he caught did, a he bit. did, but I'm saying, but,
1: but not to the same level where like yeah. higuain has been made to be this fat Higuain for what three seasons now? Yeah, like it's it's been a long. Well, he's thick joke. with
0: two C's, but yeah, he is. Yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, Comedy um, podcast, coming comedy soon. podcast coming in, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's um, yeah, he he kind of strikes me that way where he turns around and. He wants to put all this effort in, and he bags goals. Like the guy performs, and he had a couple really good plays today where he was hitting cutbacks. And I really believe that as a fit Ronaldo would have been approaching that game, he would have got onto those. And uh, Dibala, I think, is just consistently good for that moment of magic. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, I mean, how many? He put Romagnoli like Romagnoli like was out of that game did, as far as the ball went. Did not know where he, where he was. Fell for the same trick twice, where he. Went to shoot with his left, scooped it onto his right foot, and had a go. And you know, like you would expect that from like a Serie B, Series C, like defender who just wants to dive in all the time. But the fact is a guy like the bow, you can't dive in on him. You know, you gotta honor his space, but you also have to cut the angle for the shot. And that's where I think his genius is that it's, it's so hard to get somebody like that off their game because they're so comfortable either way. Yeah. And I yeah. mean that that finish on his
1: right foot too on his on his foot that he scored maybe a handful of goals in in Syria cuz we obviously know that Deba loves playing on his left. Yeah. So, and to, to pop that in far corner just kind of tuck it right nicely in for the winner was yeah. a great moment for which me to see.
0: I felt bad for Milan because it yeah, I thought they were in the game for a good percentage of it. Obviously yeah. they had more shots on target, but as soon as they took off uh, Piontek, it was like their offense just died out. Yeah. Because I, that guy just... That guy is a workhorse, and he just wants to... He's very aggressive, and he just wants to get in. I thought he should have done better with that ball that Suso played him. Yeah, the, the header. You know, it was a little behind them, but it's... You know, you got to take your chances where you can get them with a true. defense like that. You know? True. Very true. So, I mean, that kind of turns our conversation into...
1: A little bit what's happened with Juventus recently over the last few years. And and, and what I mean by that is, is economics in terms of football. Mm. So lately you've seen a lot more teams do collab kind of ordeals or collabs with certain brands. I mean, you have obviously the big famous one with PSG and Jordan, right, so obviously right. that's the big one. Um, obviously now you had Juve do their collab with Palace uh, Skateboarding. Yeah. Over the past week released their fourth kit, which... Was hugely loved by, by most fans, at least what I've seen is it was hugely loved just because it brought back the obviously those natural stripes of the kit, right? And you had some cool little like more modern flair with the, like the neon colors. So, I mean, a lot of people really like that kit, yeah. But the huge thing about that is, is Juve has now kind of like to what we kind of discussed before the podcast even started is they're becoming more of like this brand instead, like kind of like Manchester United did a few years ago, right? So, instead of just them just being like a club, they're trying to rebrand themselves so they can have sustainable income sustainable profits over right. a longer period of time right. and they're doing all these like sneaky little moves like obviously the, the whole rebranding of the logo thing was was a move i mean building brand new training facilities is nice for the players but it's yeah. also a move for the future growth of the club yeah. and now you're seeing these new other deals like obviously renewing with jeep for a, a, a substantial large figure uh, <laughs> which is d- like more than double what
0: they were getting before which yeah. yes i know it's so I shady know, like I know, I know what you're gonna say <laughs> i know it's i mean you're smiling but like it's so shitty like they're oh well we're renewing our sponsor contract well who who's the sponsor it's oh it's jeep oh well like isn't jeep Part of the company that owns your club? Oh yeah, why? That's like, why would you ask that? It just seems a little... No, no, trust me. Oh, it's fine. Because no, yeah. because Man City don't
1: do the same thing. Well, I mean, it doesn't mm, make it right, no. But yeah. sometimes you need to pay the bills, <laughs> I guess. But. So obviously, you've had them renew their sponsorships. They have new deals with like companies like Eminem recently and Coca Cola, mm-hmm. uh, which was a big thing. Them transitioning over from FIFA to Pez to be the ex- one of the exclusive clubs for Pez was obviously a huge ordeal. Yeah. So you're seeing a lot more of these kind of collabs and these more kind of like branding kind of deals coming from Juventus to kind of push themselves forward. And it's just like, it's interesting because a lot of fans obviously aren't really th- too thrilled. They're like, oh, we want to feel like we're part of the club because it's becoming more of like a corporate scene. Right. But at the same time, yeah, you may feel that way, but uh, but over the long term, your team's going to have more money. So you're going to have more money to spend on players. You're going to have more money to spend on salary, which, is, which will bring in those higher quality of the players. Like there was a really interesting quote by one of the directors of the club that they want us now position themselves to have the money to buy the next Ronaldo mm. but at 19-20 years old. Mm. So, essentially killing Mbappe. Like that's the... Because, let's be honest, Mbappe is the next yeah. superstar of the sport.
0: He loves Madrid. We'll see.
1: Nah. <laughs> you, you think if Juve yeah. unload a huge... Do you think that's dump truck of money in front yeah. of him? If they're <laughs> yeah, like, right. hey, here's 45 million
0: yeah. euro a season, <laughs> how about coming over to Turin? So He's going to consider it. Do you think they're setting a example for other italian because the italian league amongst all the other top five leagues very traditional very, very tra- traditional very old school I um agree. but i think they're kind of laying the framework for oh. what is this is how you transition exactly from an old club to a new club exactly you that, know that's that's the whole point of this is they're showing the
1: rest of the league these are the moves that you want to make if you want to be successful over the long term yeah. like you they own their own stadium i think they're only one of I think they're either the only club or one of only two clubs in the league that owns their own stadium. So they're mm. pocketing all that money off, off the revenue off match day mm. to themselves. They're, they're, yeah. It's not going but to anywhere. But
0: at the same time, cost of ownership. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. You've got to consider cost of right, ownership, right. paying the facilities, paying... Of course. You know, but the still, on. you
1: you have revenue from, just from the stadium alone. You have yeah. obviously all these sponsorships deals yeah. that they're they're working through. They're they're reaching out their market in terms of pushing the branding to Asia with like the whole preseason tour with right. them signing or being yeah. linked with players of like yeah. Asian descent to push their kind of reach into that market and now you have these kind of like fourth kit collabs with palace to kind of get yeah. the more notoriety and more kind of global reach yeah. so you're, you're kind of seeing them kind of want to push that envelope and be like hey this is what you want to do yeah. if you want to be successful like us for the last eight nine years of, of winning trophies and con- continually uh, progressing into tournaments
0: well i think they're setting the standard in a really positive way you know everybody keeps turning on like oh you know juventus is winning this again juventus is winning that again as, you know, a Roma fan who, you know, hasn't seen a Scadetto in like a very long time, <laughs> um, you know, I, I still see my club making moves where I believe if we get on the right track and we make wise decisions financially, that we'll be going in a great direction. And I know that sounds, again, like a pretty empty statement, but... Uh, when you look at the way that Juventus is doing it, they're kind of following a lot of Ma- what Manchester United did when they started, uh, you know, to our previous point. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's how Serie A gets themselves back into the fold as far as the eyes of the public. Obviously, ESPN has picked them up, and they're doing this whole ESPN Plus thing, and that's whatever. But uh, you look at, you know, the Italian league, the way that they're going to get back into the media's eye in a positive light and get to the next generation – is by, you know, figuring out some kind of revenue to stay relevant, aside from league income, and television rights, right?
1: You need those global kind of partnerships and and marketing strategies to kind of push yourself up, and kind of be known around the world and have that consistent income coming in.
0: Right, exactly. And that's where, you know, and you look at Roma did something similar, where they had a, and I, can't remember the specific name of it but they had an illustrator basically make these cartoon fonts with like a wolf in it and it seems silly but it generated some hype and everybody was really happy about it we're like oh this looks really cool yeah. and you know things like that are what gets your club to the next level um but yeah i think financially speaking uve i will give them credit in laying some foundations on how to transition from a traditional club to a more modernized commercial club yep uh but i'm curious to see if you know they're they've lost some fans along the way where the fans are not been up you know very happy about the ticket prices for example was not too long ago yeah with the ultras right yeah. and and so that so i would be curious to see if clubs that follow after Juve and transitioning to a more commercial club find a better way to do it without aggravating as much of the fan base Very true you know
1: i will i will agree with you on that 100% yeah. so i think that would conclude our Syria section I mean we've kind of ranted for a pretty long time on Syria yeah always so, but we do have a couple <laughs> yeah always but we do have a couple small little points that we want to obviously talk about in terms of other leagues or big th- uh, headlines from this past weekend at least right um and it's let's kind of start here just because let we, we want to kind of get this at like kind of taken care of because uh, this is uh, this just happened recently it happened this morning yeah uh, so if if you guys don't follow the Ukrainian League so oh, I'm, shame on you, shame, shame on, on you, you on if
0: you don't follow the Ukrainian league. <laughs>
1: um, we'll give you the quick little notes on the Ukrainian league. Shakhtar are running away with it. That's basically <laughs> all I had to say. They're twelve points clear, forty goals scored in fourteen games. They're absolutely running that league. But anyway, Shakhtar is playing. I think, uh, but
0: it's super competitive, and you should watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely, definitely should watch. No,
1: hundred no. percent. In all yeah. seriousness, um,
0: <laughs> Juve run away with the league every year, and Syria is boring because there's a 1 point gold dif- or you know there's a 1 point differential between first and second place but watch the Ukrainian league because it's interesting but yes. anyway go ahead anyway Shakhtar
1: <laughs> played uh Dynamo Kiev who's in fourth place today um and a crazy moment happened where Tyson got called for a foul very 50-50 foul it was on a fast break it looks like he gave him like a slight little shoulder bump and they called him a foul and he was a little bit shocked whatever but that's not the main issue is as soon as that happened you had the Dynamo uh, ultras right behind him, obviously here we go again with the same old topic racist chanting racist noises and all those kind of things so tyson turns around and just boots the ball and flips off the the dinamo ultras which right. i mean credits... let's just call
0: them what they are racist yeah, yeah. they're racist so it
1: flips off the racist flips off the races boots the ball into the crowd and uh the ref kind of stopped the game which right. which is what you're supposed to do in that situation obviously the message was all red and right. all that kind of stuff normal uefa protocol but the thing that kind of threw me off was when he came back onto the pitch. Tyson actually got sent off. He got red carded, right? And he was sent off the pitch. And I mean, you saw him. If I mean, you watched the video with me. He was yeah. literally in tears. Yeah, because he loves that club. He he's been there for a really long time. Like he's yeah. in his thirties. Like he's been playing in, in for Shakhtar for so many years now. And like I'm just like kind of like blown away. Like a, like yes, I understand he flipped them off. So that's that's not the essentially the reaction you want. No.
0: But. I mean, Balotelli did the same thing and he wasn't reprimanded or anything, so. Yeah, well, it's also, you know, it's also one of those things that you have to look at it and it's culture shock because to us, we're like, how in this current political climate can you do something like that? Right. And also, how can you do, how can you justify doing something like that to another human being? Like, that's like really, that's terrible. Thank like, You know, we're all, you know, we're all people at the end of the day and, you know, but to those people in those stands, you know, that's, that's still the way that they're living and you know we brought up you know traditional clubs versus modernized clubs and things like that uh but you know it's awful because all these things are bringing to light that there's people who are raised in this quote-unquote traditional you know closed-minded way uh who are still out and about with like you know full condition as like a person and they can do whatever they want at and the they stadium. Can do yeah and you know and then you have this more modern way of thinking of hey why don't we not treat people like that because that's a terrible way to talk to anybody right and when we get the races banned from the stadium so they're right. not representing our team at the grounds so that's and that's where i that's where i'm sitting with it where i am curious to see what the uh what the ukrainian league's actions are going to be i would assume they're going to rescind that yellow card card. or um, that red card rather i would assume they're going Um, to that's that's
1: what i i want to know like i want to 'Cause obviously this happened earlier today, so we yeah. don't have all the full facts yet on it. But I wanna know what what was the referee's reasoning for giving him that red card? Was yeah. it the the fact that he just flipped them up? Yes, it's an obscene gesture, understand it, but I think the obscene gesture was coming more from the
0: crowd, not him just flipping him yeah. off. That's and that's a terrible and, and that's a terrible situation to be in where you're like, Oh, if you know, if I react and it was it was I think it was one nil at the time. Yeah. And so that's a terrible thing to go through your head as a player where you're like, I'm catching this abuse and I shouldn't be catching this abuse because this is not this is not, not normal. This yeah, it's not it's not logical, you know, but if I react, I might get a I might get a disadvantage for my team and if you're not somebody like, you know, Tyson who has been at that club for a while, where's the captain's band? You know, if you're not him and you're somebody who's trying to establish yourself, you're going to be more afraid to say yep. things to, you know, or to do anything to respond. If you're not that Balotelli, you know, if you're not a name brand person, right. and you're in that situation, you might be more hesitant to react. And I think that's a terrible thing to happen to anyone. The, the crazy
1: thing about this whole situation is that wasn't even the first time that the referee knew about anything that was happening from the crowd. Yeah. There was another Brazilian player, uh, Dentinho, who also plays for, for Shakhtar. And he actually let the referee know earlier in the game that he was hearing racist abuse and, 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 yep. and things said from the stands. Mm-hmm. And th- so this was already the second incident throughout that entire match. So that's something yep. that was going on. And you as a referee, like... You need to like take hold of us and and take charge i mean what you're supposed to do in that those kind of situation is protect abandon the match protect the player protect like, the player and abandon the match, match. That, that's yeah. what you're supposed to do get the players off the pitch like that's not an environment that that a game should be played in so uh, like like you mentioned we don't have all the details because this literally happened early, yeah it early, happened early, early, early today. it's early terrible. today so yeah. like i'm really curious maybe on the next episode we can kind of touch upon this and once we get more facts because i, I want to know what the reasoning was behind Not only the red card, but why wasn't this this match just stopped? Like, uh, I want to know these. I want to know this info.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think the best thing that's come of this is the fact that there was so much outrage when it happened, and like all these outlets are reporting it, because the more that you can expose it, the more uncomfortable it becomes for the people who are doing it, and you isolate them and you point it out and you make sure that that behavior is corrected, and that's the way you move forward as like you know, not just in football but in society in general. Right. You have to correct the behavior on, you know, on an international level before you can, before you can micro dig into, you know, football culture itself. Right, individual countries. Yeah, 100%. So now that, that, that's the big, that's the big separate from Syria point that we had to cover. Right. That's the one that we're like, we have to get this in. Um, but we have two more other ones. So, yeah. And, and yeah. two more other ones. And we'll power through. We'll power through. power through. Power through. Power through.
1: Yeah. And then, so obviously the next one is the big match of the weekend was LFC City. Oh, so, and we yeah. caught some of that too. What a game. And that was definitely a fun game. A lot of memes from Pep. A lot of <laughs> guys, memes. Guys, guys, guys. Guys, 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 guys. guys, guys, guys. <laughs> I have, a, I already have like three saved on my phone, so you're going to be seeing a lot more of them moving forward. Um, yeah, it was a great game. I mean, LFC taking it kind of to, to city, kind of solidifying their, uh, their rank as number one team in the EPL and kind of, I mean, to me, essentially solidifying number one spot, I think.
0: Well, when you have, so like, you know, it, for those who don't follow, I know, you know, we're. Very Serie A-based, more often than not. Uh, but for those who don't follow the Premier League or don't follow City in general, uh, City had actually a injury crisis in the back. And part of that injury crisis is that Nicolas Otamendi is fit. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and playing. And playing. <laughs> so they couldn't have that. So they put Fernandinho uh, at center back. And they actually also had to put at left back and uh, Angelinho, and, or and uh, Angelino? and Helino, yeah, yeah, and one of those. yeah, and we won't uh, be seeing him anytime soon. I don't think so after that game. Well, he had a good last twenty yeah, minutes. Yeah, twenty of minutes that wasn't game. that wasn't terrible. He was whipping yeah. some he was whipping some, some crosses and he had that nasty nice nutmeg. <laughs> nutmeg, yeah. <laughs> he threw a little nutmeg seasoning on Trent Alexander-Arnold's yeah, uh, shins. He was just not Oof. having it. That but uh, but besides that, not a great game. For yeah, but not yeah. Defensively speaking, he was he looked a little li- a little bit of a liability, and the issue. That uh, I take with it is that a lot of people are going to look at this game and go like Liverpool are unplayable and given at Anfield uh, remotely true. (laughs) It's a fortress. It's 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 insane. Uh, However, you know, there were certain instances where Liverpool got exposed. Yeah, yeah. The last
1: last twenty minutes honestly was a little shaky because City, City got yeah. one back. Bernardo yep. Silva had a very good finish on his left Beautiful. foot. Beautiful, yeah. Tucked and then it, the next the fifteen minutes they were kind of rocking the, like Liverpool. You you thought they could have probably got a second one at least back. Yeah, and
0: it looked likely. And so that was uh, that was interesting to see. Uh, but you know the the big talking point that came out of that game were that there were a couple of non calls that obviously didn't go the way that. Pep Guardiola, like, right, um, and that's where all the memes that Marson loves came from. Yep, memes uh, came. you know, but I think that's actually something that you can point at, and you can say Syria has really effectively implemented VAR. And you know, for better or worse, what people say. I think it's one of the cleaner leagues that use it, whereas the English league kind of puts so much red tape around how they use it yeah. that it's ultimately ineffective. And if you were going to do it that way, you shouldn't have put it in the first place. Yeah,
1: because let's let's be honest, if. That uh, that handball for for Trent Alexander, I think it was Trent yeah, yeah. In, in that in like what the 82nd minute, like in yeah. the Serie, a, that would have been called a pen ten at of same times. Yeah, hundred percent, every single time. Like 100%. I mean, you, and that's that's the same thing that kind of Delait gets so much stick on because because those are the yeah. same exact situation that he's getting called pens on in the league. Yeah, and you saw that same thing happen in Serie. Well, I'll in the take
0: APL. and I'll take it a step further. Is that happened similar scenario and Roma fans will know and be very agitated, uh, and actually an even worse scenario where uh Trent was blocking across and he was playing against Roma and it smacked right into his hand, that right. was in a uh, an even more out of position. And so uh, you know, there's it's so funny we use we, we always thought VAR is like this solution out, but it's still subjective with how the rules are written. Right. And so that and of course everybody says that, but you know, realistically, until those rules are clear, nobody's going to nail it a hundred percent of the time but i would give kudos to syria for executing it as well as they do
1: yeah cool well that's a little take on our little lfc game and we have one more take to do
0: before yeah. we conclude tonight's episode. and of course you know martian had to get this one in i uh, did this was very important to get on this episode of course because uh anything related to robert lewandowski uh needs to be addressed 100%. at all times at, at all, all times, times. Oh, uh if, if you follow
1: me on on twitter which i mean most people that are gonna listen to this podcast do it, it's a lot of Lewandowski stuff. Besides the Juve stuff, it's a lot of Lewandowski stuff, especially <laughs> lately. Um, so we obviously want to do a quick little brief recap of uh, Bayern BVB over the weekend, which was obviously
0: the big derby in the Bundesliga. Um, well, if you, if you wanted to do a quick recap of it to get in there, I mean, all you have to say is... Lewandowski two goals. Is is Bayern 18 shots, five on target versus BVB two shots, zero shots on target in all Le- game. And Lewandowski with another two goals. Possession at sixty percent for Bayern. And Lewandowski with another two goals. Okay. <laughs> Point being that Levy had himself a game. Yeah, another good game. He had another good game, and this is Mar- I'm going to let Marson take it from here because this is his. He's getting on his podium and he's making his pitch for 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 Ballon d'Or. For Ballon d'Or. This is my Ballon d'Or pitch. Go for it. Lewandowski okay. should 100% be in I'm
1: not saying he should win the Ballon d'Or. Okay. So so don't don't get me okay. wrong here. Okay. I'm saying he should at least be in the top 3 for the Ballon d'Or. Mm. So okay. here here's my kind of my logic behind this. Mm. If you go by trophies and mm. like the other big contenders that have won trophies over the last year. So you have mm-hmm. obviously Virgil and Messi are probably your, your mm-hmm. biggest contenders for the, for for the award. Okay. He's won equal or more trophies than either one of them. So Liverpool okay. won only the Champions League. I, I say only, but right. still. They, yeah. they won one cup. How dare they? Yeah, how dare they only win one cup. Mm. And then you had Messi, who I think just won the Supercopa and the league. So you have two trophies for Messi that he mm. won last year. So there, there's the trophy, kind of my argument against the trophy. So Bayern won all three. They swept the German Cup, Super Cup, and the league. So they won all three. Okay. So there's three cups for, for Lewandowski. Mm. He outscored... Everybody in world football, mm, in even Virgil Van Dyke. Even Virgil Van Dyke, he scored more goals than him. Unbelievable. <laughs> no, but but in all seriousness, he had yeah. more goals throughout the last year than even Leonel Messi did, which right. is obviously his biggest contender. So he not only had quote unquote more trophies, right, and then he had more contributions in terms of goals scored. So there's my kind of like little argument. Like this guy has mm-hmm. produced 40 plus goals for what I think seven eight years now cons- consecutively. Right. So he's popping in contributions for his team left and right Right. he he's and obviously there's no hotter striker in form right now than him yeah he's scored in 11 consecutive Bundesliga games he's got i think 26 goals in 17 appearances total on this this year the Mm -hmm. the 1920 calendar year right so i mean he's really like pulling in kind of like kind of carrying Bayern on their on his back which is kind of like uh something that you really wouldn't kind of uh really wouldn't really see from like a number nine that's that's kind of like where I'm at with how good he is and that and I mean where would <laughs> the bottom question is where would Bayern be without him right now
0: All right where would Bayern be without him right now more than fair but where would Barcelona be without Messi right now I mean those free kicks were pretty spicy <laughs> I mean the guys the guy's a unit uh, you know and looking at uh, looking at the other leagues uh, across the way I mean Sir Moble uh, is the only one really chasing his tail at this point. Uh, in the in the way of goals, uh, right? So 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 to five. Everybody yeah, can't five. see what we're looking at. So we're looking at the Golden Boot
1: award for this current campaign. So the 1920 campaign. Right. So Lewandowski is currently first in the campaign, correct?
0: Uh, yeah. As far as top five leagues go,
1: correct. So in terms of top five yeah. leagues, he is currently number one in terms of yeah. coefficients. So that's based on uh, coefficients, how many points you get per goal scored. So Lewandowski has 16 technical league goals scored this year. Obviously, that's only counting the league. Uh, uh, what I was mentioning before was he has 28 goals total in the campaign, which includes right. uh, Champions League and the cup, uh, the cups before the season, which were still technically right. qualified as, as matches. So however you want to look at it, but the guy is the unreal animal. So, so th- there's my there's my there's my little mini pitch. I will make a full blown speech later in the year. Okay, but that's my mini speech for right. why Levy should. be. We will be get you in, a
0: tuxedo, uh, and we will get. I'll you... I'll present the award myself. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so. uh Erling uh, Holland. Yeah, Holland. Yeah, I think uh, as far as strikers
1: is a, go... Is a unit.
0: Is a unit. And uh, piggybacking on... To, I know we were talking about BVB Bayern, but uh, he's the only other, I think, in the world, traditional nine comparable to how Lewandowski plays. Mm-hmm. But he's obviously completely underdeveloped compared to how right. he he's, is he's 19 he's, he's a child <laughs> <laughs> he's a big child he's a big child yeah definitely a big child um a big child that i would want at juventus yeah leading that line for the next decade yeah 100 but i uh, i would be curious to see uh in the way of forwards who develops to be that that next big number nine because yeah, Piatek obviously had his you know he was on fire last season he's yeah. been struggling a bit this season But on the subject, the forwards, you know, branching off from Bayern Dortmund, uh, I would be curious to see who's going to be that next up-and-comer that's strictly that nine-mold. Because you have guys like Mbappe that are, like, brilliant Ronaldo types that are going to pick that ball up, run into space, and do a couple dribbles and play on the wing. Right, but I want to see who's going to be that next guy. That's going to replace Lewandowski when he decides to retire in the way of the world where, you know, you have that big body number number nine. nine. Right. Right. And I think he's got a good shot of
1: it. Yeah. Haaland's definitely looked good. I mean, he's got, I think he's second in UCL goals, if Mm. you want to double check that for me. But Mm. I know he's up there in terms of UCL. I think he either leads it or he's he's second in terms of Champions League goals right now, so I mean it shows you that he he can play against the best kind of teams in the world. If he's if he can perform in the Champions League, then yeah, it kind of shows you that he has that potential to really score goals, uh, really against anybody. And I I guarantee he won't be playing at uh, Salzburg next year.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. I think he's gonna be making uh making a couple moves, uh, but yeah, I just I mean you can give. Uh Tammy Abram a shout as well. Yeah for, uh, for the future year. nine. Yeah, he's having a great start to uh his his Chelsea season so far too and really kind yeah. of leading that line. So But as far as like big body moving through traffic, I would definitely, you know, I would definitely look to uh, Holland for the future. Uh but maybe content for the for a future podcast. Oh, who's to say? Who's who's to say? Who's to say we didn't just spoil a future episode? A little bit. A little uh, bit. <laughs> So as far as uh Bayern and Dortmund go, there's really not a lot you can say to this game. Aside from the shocking fact that more often than not, this game directly results on who ends up being top of the table. If yep. one of them is first and the other one is second, and they the second-place team wins that game, they'll usually jump to first. However, not the case here. Bayern won that game in convincing fashion and still ended up in third place, yep. right? And that's it. And that's an important point because the team that's in first place Munch and Gladbach. is Borussia Mönchengladbach. And Borussia Mönchengladbach, and for all my Roma fans that are freaking out yeah, they're not happy. about the season... Munching Gladback only was gifted the game against us, yeah, that's true. and we would have had a great result against them had uh, we not been robbed. And I yes, have no quarrels with saying I that, know. and You're I'm robbed. still fired up about it. No, I'm not going to back off on it, so I know, I know. I'm being really straightforward and blunt in saying that this league is really up for grabs. 100%. But also,
1: you kind of expected this from Bayern. Uh, yeah. Obviously, they just got rid of their coach last week. Yeah. So you kind of expected them to have a little bit more of a fired-up approach to them playing yeah. a Dortmund game as, as if you already needed a more fired-up approach. Yeah. But they were even more fired-up because they, they got rid of a coach, and then a lot of guys have essentially a clean slate to kind of show themselves off for whoever the new coach is going to be. Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of like a show-yourself-off kind of showcase yeah. for, for the BVB-Bayern
0: game. Definitely. And a lot of Bayern players showed off. Yeah, a lot of Bayern players showed off. Unfortunately, Arsene Wenger ruled himself out earlier yeah, of contention. Oh, man. So that's fine. I would have... I really? I think that would have been so funny because if he won the Champions League with Bayern... All those. If you look at Arsenal's record in the Champions League, they got bounced by Bayern more often than not. It was yeah. either Bayern or Barça. So funny. Every so time. to see him win it with, with Bayern would be hilarious for all the trash that the Arsenal fans were talking about him towards the end of his career. I mean, a big name that's been obviously rumored to take over that role would be now Allegri. Mm-hmm. So. I saw that, but I also saw that he wanted to manage in uh, in England. Yeah, that's true. So he's—I think he's taking a hiatus, and then he's going to end up moving right, over to England. Right, he, he still has a, technically a contract with Juve, so he's yeah. still getting
1: paid essentially to hang out. To hang out. Take this a sabbatical. Year. <laughs> yeah. So he's getting paid a pretty penny. Um, yeah. So I think next year you're going to definitely see Allegri come back somewhere.
0: Yeah, I, I think Bayern Bayern initially wanted a uh, a German-speaking coach who's familiar with the league, with the culture, right. and they got turned down a couple times. So, I'd be really curious to see who ends up at that post. I think Jose Mourinho would work wonders we'll at that be, club. I, I, I mean, I
1: like Jose, and you yeah. know that. So, I mean, I think it'd be pretty cool to go see him managing in the Bundesliga. Because so I think that's the only league that he hasn't done anything in. Besides, I mean, on and, and the Bundesliga. So, I'd be yeah. kind of ticking off another one of Jose's box. So, yeah. you could say that he's the greatest manager in Bundesliga history. Well,
0: I, I think he's the... If you look at that team, they're very talented. They are really talented. But they lack structure, and they lack discipline sometimes. And if you need a guy that's going to be giving a kick up people's sides, look no further than Jose Mourinho. Yeah. Uh, the, guy, the guy can
1: definitely win trophies, and he's done that everywhere he's been, and I think it wouldn't change at Bayern. He would yeah. definitely be like. No
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, trailing off with that, that's the positive note to end on. Next week we're going to do a... Uh, international break special. <laughs> yeah, an international break special where... Uh, We end up looking at maybe some promising talents. We get a couple more unique talking points that aren't directly league related uh, because I don't like the international break. Never have. Never will. And uh, it distracts from club football. Neither do I. And it it injures club football. Yes, it does. And so we're going to be focusing on multiple other talking points. We really hope you guys listen. But for now, we're signing off. So thanks again.
1: Thanks again for listening to this next episode. And then obviously if you guys want to chat with us or give us any kind of feedback or even recommend new topics that you guys would love for us to kind of uh, hear us talk about uh, for future podcasts. You can follow me at pluventino on Twitter or my co-host. Yeah. You could follow
0: Tim at footy Coogee, footy Coogee. at footy Coogee on Twitter. And I'd be more than happy to talk to everybody hear me spout some roman nonsense yeah and, and well, obviously uh, we try to get back to as many people as we can yeah so it, it, it's yeah. 24, because the list is clearly massive massive 24 se- 24 yeah. seven three jobs. episodes in and we just can't stop replying to the fan mail it's it's unreal great fan mail yeah <laughs> right. no but seriously hope everybody enjoyed the show talk to you guys later later guys bye